for joining us tonight. We are going to be continuing on through the book of Titus. We started a study through the book of Titus a couple of weeks ago, a really short book. We're not going to be here for long, uh, but we are going to pick up tonight where we left off last week in Titus chapter 2 verse 7, if you want to turn there. And I wanted to give you an announcement while you turn. We are going to be having a service on July the 12th at 9 a.m. Uh, we won't be having a normal service. We won't be uh, meeting in the sanctuary just to be safe and not be in a, in a closed area. So we're going to meet outside uh, at 9 a.m. We're going to meet a little earlier than usual. No Sunday school or anything like that. This is just going to be a, a time of worship, a time that uh, we, we get into the Word for a few minutes. And so I would encourage you to come and be part of that. I'd love to, to see you there. I know that most of us haven't seen each other in months. And so it's going to be good for us to get to see one another and gather and praise the Lord and fellowship with one another. And uh, I believe it's going to uh, bring joy to our hearts to get to be part of that. If you don't have a mask... Uh, we have some available that someone has uh, graciously made for us, and so we'll have masks available to you. If you do have one, I would encourage you just to bring it with you. I know it's going to be hot and uncomfortable. Nobody likes to wear a mask, but I would uh, encourage you to wear a mask if you have one, uh, and, and just be safe, and try not to make anybody feel uncomfortable. Some people, you may be fine shaking hands. Others of you, you may not feel too comfortable hugging or shaking hands at this point. So we'll all try to keep a safe distance so we don't make anyone feel uncomfortable uh, and spread any germs should anybody have any. Now, we don't have any future dates set yet. We probably won't be meeting every Sunday, but we are going to begin to meet some uh, on a monthly basis here moving forward. And so the first meeting, and the only one scheduled at this point, is July the 12th. At 9 a.m., it's going to be outside the church, so when you pull up, uh, don't go into the sanctuary. Come around to the side by the fellowship hall. You'll see chairs and things uh, sitting out there, and so I would encourage you to come and be part of that. Let everybody know uh, that we're doing this. Also let everybody know it's not going to be an every Sunday thing. It's only going to be occasionally over the next two or three months till this virus uh, completely clears up. But we are going to start back July the 12th, at 9 a.m. will be uh, the, the, the next service and the only one scheduled at this point, and I hope to see you there. All right, Titus chapter 2, verse 7. Titus chapter 2, verse 7. Now, a little recap about what is going on to this point. Titus is a, is a, is a helper of Paul, if we can say that. He's alongside Paul as they do the Christian work, and Paul has left Titus on the island of Crete, which is in the Mediterranean Sea. And he's writing this letter to Titus saying, look, you've got a job to do, Titus. Crete is a place that needed to be reached by Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ. And so Titus's job was to help reach those people on that island. One thing that Paul told him to do was, look, you need to appoint some elders, some men who are good, strong men, who are good husbands, who are good fathers, who are good teachers, uh, who are wise, men of integrity. These are the ones you need to establish as leaders in Crete. And the reason for that was there was a lot of false teaching that was going on. That's what Paul was addressing in Titus chapter 1. He said, look, there's a lot of false teachers coming, in particular the Jewish people teaching a lot of false teachings, a lot of greedy people there only saying things and, and trying to get people's money. He said, but look, you got to stand up to those people. you gotta, you got to preach truth. You're going to fight these lies and all this deception, all these false teachings. You're going to fight that with truth. So don't be afraid, Titus. 
get ready to do the work, establish other leaders to do the work, and, uh, and, and go out and try to reach the people of Crete. And that's what we saw in Titus chapter 1. And then at the beginning of Titus chapter 2, we looked at last week that Paul was telling Timothy, okay, here's some instruction for the men and women there, that the older men and the older women were to be good examples for the people of Crete. They were to be examples for their children, these Christian men and these Christian women, so that they could raise up the younger people in the area, the younger Christians in the area, the younger Cretans in the area that they wanted to come to Christ. They needed to be, the men and women that were Christians, needed to be good examples to those who were looking up to them. And that's what we talked about a little last week. Tonight we're going to start in verse 7. <clears throat> Excuse me, in verse 7. So let's pray and then we'll jump in. God, we come to you and I thank you for these good words. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that you would help my words to, to, to be what you want me to say. Help me not to ramble on. Help them to be few, but help them to be uh, concise, dear Lord. And I pray that you just would... Uh, let your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts, open our ears, open our minds, God, that we would hear from you tonight and we'd tuck away your word in our heart and it would apply to us and we can use it in our lives, God. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Titus chapter 2, verse 7. In everything, make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. Your message is to be sound beyond reproach so that the opponent will be ashamed, having nothing bad to say about us. Now, Titus here probably had the role of more of a, of a, of a preacher, pastor, leader type. He was, he was to have a good message, he was to be a good teacher, and so he's in more of a leadership role that maybe some of us may not be in, but the instructions that Paul gives to Titus here are instructions that are good for all Christians, and that is to be an example of good works. Now, we should do good works as Christians. We don't do good works because we gain our salvation through our good works. We gain our salvation through Jesus Christ. But because of the grace of Jesus Christ, because we are redeemed, because we've experienced his love and his mercy, and he's poured out blessings on us, we do what God has done for us to others. We love others. We bless them when we can. We help them when we can. We are an example uh, by the works that we do. And as Christians, we should be doing good works in our lives. And that's what Paul tells to Titus here. He says, with integrity and dignity. We should be men and women of integrity. Men and women who are trustworthy. Men and women that when people look at us, they say, I can trust him. I can trust her. I can depend on him. I can depend on her. If they say something, they are going to stand by their word. They are going to do what they say. They are going to do the right thing. That's what being a man or a woman in, of, of integrity is, and that's what Titus was to be. He says in verse 8, your message is to be sound beyond reproach. Now, we all have the message of Christianity, of Jesus Christ, that we uh, send out to the world. We want people to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We want them to hear of his love, of his sacrifice, of, of the salvation that comes through him. And we all, who are Christians, we take that message of Jesus Christ into the world in some way, shape, or form. Some of it's by our works and by our actions and, and by the way we live our life. Uh, some of us uh, may bring the message uh, in a literal sense, as I'm doing to you tonight. I'm bringing to you a message 
from God's Word. As a preacher, as a pastor, that's something that uh, God has called me to do, and so that's what I am doing here. And Paul says to Titus, look, your message is to be sound beyond reproach. That is, you need to know what God's Word says. You need to understand it as best as you can. You need to be able to defend it as best as you can. Now, I understand when we read God's Word, it is not always easy. Sometimes it's difficult, and sometimes people ask questions that we may not be able to give a satisfactory answer to. One of those we'll address in just a few minutes. But we need to understand God's Word as best we can so that when we are telling people the message of Jesus Christ, the message is sound. It's sound in a way that they can understand it. It's sound in a way that, okay, they don't have any excuse for rejecting Jesus Christ because I have soundly and firmly and easily helped them to understand and told them the Word of God. Now, there are some people, even when they clearly hear the Word of God, they will reject it. They'll still continue to ask questions and come up with all these reasons why they don't want to listen to or follow God's Word. But if we have taught them good, sound, solid teaching, truths of the Bible, not made-up things, not part of what the Bible says, not, not just kind of skim through, but don't really give people a good explanation, but if we really tell people soundly and firmly, here's the message of Jesus Christ, then that's what we are called to do. We need to, to, to understand God's Word as best as we can, and we need to be able to defend God's Word and share God's Word as best as we can. There may sometimes be questions we don't have a good answers to, but we need to be sound in our teaching, and we need to know it as good as we can so that we can teach others as well. He says, be sound in your teaching so that the opponent will be ashamed having nothing bad to say about you. Now, if we are sound in our teachings, if we are good in the example that we live our life in, if we are men and women of integrity, then what bad can people say against us? Well, not much. If we're living a life for God and we really are following Him and living for Him, then there's not going to be much that anybody can say about us. That's not to say that somebody won't say something about us, but even if they do say something about us, if we're living a godly life, what they say won't be grounded in fact. It'll simply just be their own imagination or their own hatred toward us. Uh, even Jesus Christ, who was a perfect son of God who never sinned, uh, people said many things uh, uh, against him and about him that simply weren't true. They had no grounds what they said, even though that they said them. But generally speaking, when we do what Paul has said here, when we are living a life of good works as a good example, when we are men and women of integrity, when we do have sound teaching and we firmly understand and believe and stand on God's word, oftentimes exactly what he says is what takes place that our opponents will have nothing to say to us. They will have no rebuttal. They will have, have nothing that they can come back against us with. We see this many times throughout the teaching of Jesus, that the people would come to him and uh, they would ask him a question uh, and, and he would come back with a response and they wouldn't have any kind of response for him. He would kind of uh, shut them up because, well, what else could they say? And if we live our life in a way uh, that we are living for the Lord and we are really trusting in Him and we are, we are firm on the foundation of His Word, then oftentimes when people come against us, there's nothing they can come against us for. 
And that's the type of example we want to be. That's what we want to, to look like in the world, that when people look at us, they, they, can't, they, they can't think of anything bad about us. Now, that's, I, I say that uh, lightly because, look, I understand that there are bad things that we do, and there are uh, plenty of things that if you look hard enough, you can find, well, he or she did this at one point in time. Well, that's probably true. But what's the pattern in our life? For the most part, are we living a life that's obedient to the Lord? Are there going to be times that we may slip? Absolutely. But boy, when we are men and women of integrity, those times are going to be fewer and fewer and far between as we continue to grow and to mature in the Lord. And that should be our goal, that we live our life in a way that brings glory to God, that people don't have anything or can't say anything bad about us because of the way that we are living our life and the way that we are living for the Lord. Now, let's read a little further. Verse 9. Slaves are to be submissive to their masters in everything, and to be well-pleasing, not talking back or stealing, but demonstrating utter faithfulness, so that they may adorn the teaching of God our Savior in everything. Now, verses like these that talk about slavery in the Bible are tough for us to wrap our head around. What are we to make of slavery in the Bible? Does the Bible say that slavery is a good thing? Does it ever condemn slavery? Uh, what, are we to, what are we to think? What are we to make? There are some hard scriptures uh, when it comes to the Bible that talk about slavery, some, some that are really hard for us to maybe wrap our head around or to get a satisfactory understanding of. Well, the Bible nowhere comes right out and condemns slavery. There's no verse that says, and slavery is wrong under any and every circumstance and should never be done. It would be wonderful if the Bible had such a verse to, uh, to, to give us clarity and, and better understanding on, on slavery, but there's no verse that exists that says it in those terms. I do believe, however, that the very message of Jesus Christ condemns slavery. I believe that if we love people the way that Jesus calls us to love people, if we treat our neighbor as ourselves that the very idea of slavery, whether it exists in a good way or a bad way, and we'll talk about that in a second, but if we love our neighbor like ourselves and love people like Jesus tells us to, then I believe that that abolishes slavery completely. Now, what are we to make of slavery? I mentioned good slavery and bad slavery. And you may say, well, how can any slavery be good slavery? Well, there were instances in the Old Testament in particular where that was the case. We typically think of slavery as a bad thing. And many times it, it, it is a bad thing. It's a horrible, evil thing. We often think about the transatlantic slave trade from way back around the time of the Civil War. That's a time when Africans were, were kidnapped from their country, they were brought in ships to the United States, they were sold against their will and forced to do manual labor. Now that type of slavery is condemned in Scripture. The very thing that was done there is the very thing that Scripture says not to do. That is bad slavery. That is wrong slavery. That is evil slavery. Now, slavery had existed before that time, and slavery still exists in our world today. There are still people who, who kidnap, steal, and sell other people around our world today. And that's because people don't value human life. They don't look at others as important. They don't look at others as significant. There's no way you can kidnap and sell someone into slavery if you view them as an equal human being as you. There's no way you can do that if you love them as you love yourself, if you love them the way Jesus has called you to love them. Now those type of things still happen in our world today. 
and those are evil things and wrong things. And those were evil things and wrong things even when the Bible was written. We see that in Deuteronomy 24, verse 7. It says, If a man is discovered kidnapping one of his Israelite brothers, whether he treats him as a slave or sells him, the kidnapper must die. You must purge the evil from you. Now, this idea of kidnapping someone else is mentioned a few times for us in the Old Testament. That was strictly prohibited, even in the Bible. You were not to kidnap another person. You could not kidnap someone and sell them into slavery. That was a wrong and evil thing. So that uh, those verses that say those things in the Bible would clearly tell us that what took place in the transatlantic slave trade, for instance, were evil things and were not uh, to be tolerated. They should not have been tolerated at the time, nor should the slaveries that go on in our world today uh, be tolerated. There are occasions in the Old Testament, though, where slavery was a good thing. Now, there were many people in the Old Testament who were poor and may not have had the skills or the ability to work and make money, and so uh, slavery or being a servant may be a, a better way to kind of help take the edge off for us would have been a way for people in the Old Testament to work and to provide for their family. Now, they had some different freedoms and some different liberties. Uh, for Hebrew slaves, for instance, uh, once their uh, time of, uh, of, of, of debt that they were working to pay back was paid up, uh, they could leave. At the end of six years, uh, they were off the hook. Every seventh year, any Hebrew slave was to be set free, uh, even if they had not paid all the debt that they had owed. They were to be set free. Now, for some, it says in the Old Testament, they desired to continue to serve under the master they were serving because they had a good life. They were provided for. They had a home. They had a meal to eat. They had families. In some cases, they were married. They had children. And so slavery in the Old Testament was a way of life for some people. It was a way that they could be provided for. And otherwise, they may not have been provided for. Now, this is a good example of Scripture where God may allow something that's not ideal, but it may have been the best that it could be done at the time. Because if all of those people who were enslaved or who were servants to someone else, if they did not have that to do, well, what would have happened to them? If they couldn't find work in any other way, well, they probably would have starved. They would have had nowhere to live. They would have had no food to eat. Uh, they would have had no chance at a future. Now, in this case, in the Old Testament, God does allow slavery, and I believe it was for the reason to take care of people who had a need. There were some who were poor, there were some uh, who, who that's all they could do, and that was a way for the Israelites to take care of other people in the community. Now, I'm sure there were some who were evil and mistreated their slaves, and it even says in the scripture that, look, sometimes a slave will run away. So what do you do if somebody's slave runs away and comes back to you? What are you supposed to do to them? Well, the Bible even tells us that. It says in Deuteronomy 23, 15, and 16, Do not return a slave to his master when he has escaped from his master to you. Let him live among you wherever he wants within your gates. Do not mistreat him. Now, when we see verses like this, we don't know exactly what took place. We don't know why this slave was fleeing, very possibly because the master was mistreating him. But look, God was taking care of the slave here because he tells, if you receive this slave, if he comes to you, don't you mistreat him. You let him stay there. You let him live among you. You let him go along his way and do what he needs to do. There were many things in the Old Testament law that were put there to protect the slaves. 
And slavery in the Old Testament was often a good thing. It was a way that people could be provided for. They could have a home. They could have food. They could have a family. Uh, they could pay off their debts if they needed to. It was not an oppressive thing like we may often think about when we think about slavery. Yes, there may have been some in the Old Testament that lived that way and oppressed their slaves. But I believe most of the time it probably was a good situation for those who were poor. It was a way that they could be provided for and taken care of, and that's why God allowed those things to exist. Now, in our modern world, those type of things uh, don't really make sense or they don't uh, uh, really fly in the same way that they would have then. Now we just would call people hired workers. We wouldn't uh, call them slaves. We wouldn't call them servants. We would just say, uh, hey, there are people who need a job and I'll hire you to do a job. And so uh, we see our world and our culture is a little different, the way that business is done and the way that things are carried out today. So we don't have slavery in that way, but in that culture, in that time, that's simply the way that things were done. And to be a servant to someone may have been the best way for someone to make a living and to take care of themselves in that time. And for many of the people who would have uh, been the masters of the household, they probably would have taken good care of their servants, of their slaves, and not treated them poorly. These were people who had willingly come and were working for them, and it was probably a good relationship on both ends in most situations, which is completely opposite as to what took place uh, in the transatlantic slave trade and in other slaveries that we see around the world today where people are oppressed and people are taken advantage of and people are not given any, any freedoms, any liberties, and that is evil. But that's not what the Bible uh, is talking about when it's talking about slavery. Uh, that's not uh, something that when we read God's Word and we see slavery, we shouldn't say, well, God says slavery is okay because that is not that type of attitude toward other people and mistreatment of other people. The Bible never says is okay. It never has been, and it never will be. Uh, we see uh, in Exodus 23, verse 9, it says, You must not oppress a foreign resident, for you yourselves know how it feels to be a foreigner, because you are foreigners in the land of Egypt. Now this is something that we see all throughout the Old Testament. God constantly reminds his people Israel, don't mistreat foreigners, don't mistreat other people. Why? Because you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. You yourselves were enslaved. You know what it's like to, to, to live that life. Don't do that to other people. Now we see all throughout the Old Testament that God cares deeply for the foreigner, for the poor, for the oppressed. God cares for those people. And whenever we look at someone who may be from a different place, uh, who may be poor, and we say, well, we're going to take advantage of them, or we're going to kidnap them, or we're going to sell them, well, those are all things that God has always looked down upon and still does today. Those are evil things. But when we see slavery in the Bible, we need to realize that that's not necessarily what's always being talked about in scripture when it talks about slavery. Sometimes it's a good situation where people willingly go into a situation to serve someone else. Now that's pretty heavy stuff. That's a lot for us to consider, but let us strive to make every effort that we never look down on anybody, that we never think that we are better than anyone else, uh, that, that we uh, love people, that we care for people, that we help provide for people, that we don't require anything back from them, that we don't ever find ourselves uh, being oppressive or judgmental uh, to people because the Bible is pretty clear. 
in the words of Paul, look, that in Jesus Christ, there's no distinction anymore. We talked about this a few weeks ago. There's not slave or free. There's not man or woman. There's not rich or poor. All of these distinctions that maybe the world will give people vanish away when we are in Jesus Christ. And when we are in Jesus Christ, we need to realize that we are all made in the image of God, that we are all equal, that we all must love one another and take care of one another. And that's what we see time and time again throughout God's Word, throughout the message of Paul, uh, both here to Titus and to other people. And these are the types of things that we see in Scripture. So let us strive and make every effort to follow Jesus Christ and live for Him and love other people. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you now, and I thank you for these good words, and I pray that you help us to wrap our head around these tough questions and difficult things when it comes to slavery. It's hard for us to wrap our head around it, dear Lord, but I pray that you help us to understand those scriptures as best we can. Help us to love one another, dear Lord. I pray that you would help us to see if there's any, any evil or wickedness in our own life, God, any kind of hatreds in our own life, that we would uh, do away with those things, God. I pray that you would help us to uh, follow the example that you gave us uh, here in your word, as Paul told Titus, that we would do good works. Uh, that we would be men and women of integrity, that we would stand firm on your word, that we would uh, be sound in our faith in you, dear Lord God, that we would stand on that, and that we would live by that. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.